0: The Lord be with you, and with your spirit, a reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew, glory to you, Lord. Jesus, again in reply, spoke to the chief priests and elders of the people in parables saying the kingdom of heaven may be likened to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son he dispatched his servants to summon the invited guests to the feast but they refused to come a second time he sent other servants saying tell those invited behold I have prepared my banquet my calves and fattened cattle are killed and everything is ready. Come to the feast. Some ignored the invitation and went away. One to his farm, another to his business. The rest laid hold of his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was in rage and sent his troops, destroyed those murderers, and burned that city. Then he said to his servants, The feast is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy to come. Go out, therefore, into the main roads and invite into the feast whomever you find. The servants went out into the streets and gathered all they found, bad and good alike, and the hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to meet the guests, He saw a man there not dressed in a wedding garment. The king said to him, My friend, how is it that you came in here without a wedding garment? But he was reduced to silence. Then the king said to his attendants, Bind his hands and feet and cast him into the darkness outside. Where there'll be wailing and grinding of teeth. Many are invited, but few are chosen. The gospel of the Lord, Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning, everybody. Praise God. It's been an exciting past few days here at our parish. Yesterday we had a glorious occasion. The church was packed. We had our first Holy Communion yesterday. We had five of our, of our little ones receive Holy Communion for the very first time. And it was a beautiful occasion. It was, it was amazing. So the church was packed, but prior to that it was a little stressful because we had a wedding in Loyalton right before, and, and I had timed it perfectly. Okay, 2 p.m. wedding in Loyalton, had plenty of time, and I'll come over here, make it in time to get the kids all rounded up because the, the kids are all dressed in their white suits and they processed up, and it was candles, it was a big production. But as anything, the wedding started 45 minutes late. The poor uh, the musician who was scheduled to play for the wedding got lost. She was coming from Reno. First, she comes here to Portola. because The wedding was in, was, in the, was in Loyalton, of course. She texted me 10 minutes before the wedding. Father, the church is empty. What's, what's going on? Where is everybody at? The wedding's at, too. I said, yes. Where are you? I'm in Portola. They said, no, the wedding's in Loyalton. She says, oh, I've never been to Loyalton before. So she pops it in her GPS. She, she starts to go, make her way. She'd never been to Loyalton before. Her GPS cuts out, reroutes her to Sierraville. She says, Father, I don't see a church here in this town. I said, where are you? She says, I don't know. All I see are barns and fields. I said, you could be anywhere in this valley. It's It's already 2.40 at this point. And she's just stressed out of her mind. She says, Father, all right. I'll, I'll talk to the bride and we'll just begin because we just, we just can't. Delay this anymore. So sort of thing. So we just began the wedding. Luckily, the bride, the bride was wasn't a bridezilla, as we say. Huh? She was uh, she was very humble and she was laid back. Just let's just begin. So we began the wedding. It was beautiful. It turned out amazing. Even though I was pressed for time, I didn't want to rush the wedding. they did not want to rush someone's wedding. That's their big day. You can't. You can You can't do this fast. So we did it very reverently. But fast. <laughs> and then, of course, I had to make it back here for First Communion, so I'm speeding through the valley at 100 miles per hour, huh? I'm speeding through the valley, cops see me, I just wave at them. You know, <laughs> the, the cops know me already by now. Said, "Oh, there goes that crazy Catholic priest, <laughs> speeding through the valley. How dare they give a ticket to a priest, huh?" I, I tell them, "You know what God's going to do to you when you die." I don't, I don't play that card, but I was, I, was, I was 70, okay, maybe 70, top speed, I was more. But I made it back in here, got the kids ready. It was a beautiful day yesterday. So imagine, the past few days, we've had three amazing sacraments, three. First communion, a wedding, the sacrament of, of matrimony. And also, we also did first confession. Confession. There's one physical gesture which unites all three of those sacraments. What do you think it is? You don't have to yell it out, but it's it's a hard one. To think about it. So the first three, there, there, there's a, a physical gesture that in all those three sacraments that are traditionally tied to it. What do you think that is? So first confession marriage, and Holy Communion. There's three physical gestures. And it is kneeling. Like kneeling, what are you talking about? Well, think about it, for First Communion, we actually set up, we had a beautiful altar rail set up here. And I opted to teach the kids how to receive communion in the ancient way. You know, we have two options to receive Holy Communion. So if you recall, especially if you've been Catholic for a long time, You recall we had altar rails before in our churches and you would kneel to receive Holy Communion and you would put your hands clasped and you would open your mouth and the priest would give it to you on your tongue. That's the ancient gesture. Notice what you're doing. So you come up to receive, especially if you go to a traditional Catholic church, they still do it. You kneel down to receive Jesus Christ. And then also now look at marriage. If you've ever been to a Catholic wedding, there's something in the middle of the Mass. It's called the nuptial blessing. What happens is that the priest will invite the new, newly united couple in matrimony to kneel. And the priest will pray a long ancient prayer. And we will bless that marriage of this new Christian family. And then in confession, if you recall, when you go to the confessional, what do you do in the confessional, traditionally? You kneel down as you confess your sins. Kneel to receive communion, kneel to get married, kneel to confess your sins. That physical gesture that unites all three of those sacraments conveys the virtue of by which we need to make it to the wedding feast which Christ speaks of in the gospel. My brothers and sisters, we need humility. Humility. Notice now, when you go to confession, and this is extremely paramount when you go to confession, what do you do there? For for somebody, imagine the soul moved to go to confession. It takes a humble and courageous heart to go. You essentially go, and you have to think about all of the garbage that you've done in your life. <laughs> all of the embarrassing things that we do in the darkness and behind closed doors when we think no one is looking and we repent and we have to go to before a, a man, kneel down and we say those words, bless me, Father, for I have sinned. <laughs> oh, those words have echoed throughout the centuries of kings, emperors, priests, popes, politicians. Bless me, Father, as they kneel, for I have sinned, and they pour their filth out to me, (laughs) and I have the privilege of cleaning it up. Love it. I love it. And then now notice the gesture of marriage. And every married couple in here knows. And it's signified by the traditional way you men recall now when you were young. What did you do when you asked your girlfriend at the time that pivotal question? What was that beautiful gesture you did that we do in Western civilization? You knelt before her and you said, will you marry me? Notice that gesture. Because essentially what every marriage is, you are, you are essentially saying, my life is no longer about me anymore. It's easy to, to live for oneself, because you wake up, you do what you want to do, you eat what you want to eat, you go where you want to go. But when you're married, can you do that? <laughs> no. you essentially say, and that's why you always kneel during during a wedding, because you essentially say, to your bride or to your husband, you say, your good is above my own now. And I kneel before you. And God willing, you know, God blesses that marriage with children. And every parent in here knows when you raise children, your life is no longer on your schedule. Because now you've put the needs of your family above your own. Oh, and all that is humbling tremendously humbling and then now in first communion we receive Holy Communion now at mass this my friends is the third commandment of God you remember the first three the first you know of all of the ten commandments the first three deals with our relationship with God first commandment you shall have no God above me." So don't worship anything above me. The second commandment: you should not use the Lord's name in vain. So respect God's holy name. And then third: keep the Sabbath day holy. For us Christians, that means going to church on Sunday. Imagine that. Now think about this, and this is a very and this and this is a very key fact. Going to mass on Sundays or Saturday, the vigil mass is the same concept. It's a very humbling thing, isn't it? Because you have to, no matter what your plan for that day, you say, I must reorientate my day, redesign my day to make sure that I make it to mass that weekend, Saturday night or Sunday morning or whatever Sunday schedule you may you may go to. You essentially say, no matter what is going on in your life, you say, no. The third commandment of God, God tells his people, my will is for that the Sabbath to be holy. And so for all of us who come to Mass now, we have to say, okay, God, I'd rather be watching football right now. I'd rather be sleeping right now. I worked a 14-hour shift last night. I want to sleep in, God. It's cold. It's snowing outside, by the way, too. Right, so to we'll start snowing in a few days or a few weeks. We say no. You told me third commandment: keep the Sabbath holy, and so I will go. Do you see that humility that is needed to go? Now, during these whole COVID days, I know it's a little bit different because technically, because of the COVID restrictions and the precautions that. Obligation to Sunday Mass is still lifted. And so, of course, health plays a role into that. So we're not, we're not absolutely crazy about it. No, if, if, if your health is at risk, of course, be prudent. Don't attend. Or if you just if you if your work schedule completely doesn't allow it, then of course. Humility. And that is why our Lord says in this beautiful parable in the gospel. He says heaven, the kingdom of God, is like this wedding banquet which the king throws for all of humanity. Okay, let me ask you, what is better than going to the king's wedding feast? Nothing is better, logically. Have you ever been to a rich person's house, by the way? It's beautiful. You know they're going to have the best food anywhere. And this is exactly what this king says. This is the king, the most lavish palace. He says, I've I've killed the fattened calf. I got my cattle killed, everything is ready, and you know they got good wine. This is the most there's nothing better than the king's feast. But what happens? They refuse to go. It makes no logical sense, does it? it? Makes no logical sense. And then they give the tired excuses. Oh, some ignore the invitation. Ah, forget you. Oh, one went to his farm, which means it's like whatever, whatever tasks and duties. Another his business. Oh, I'd rather make money than go to the feast. And so the king becomes hardened. He says, invite everybody to the feast. And yet they still, they disrespect him. See, what our Lord here was speaking about, he's speaking about God's relentless pursuit of humanity. He's speaking about the whole history of salvation. God wants every single human being to enter into heaven. Every single one of us. But what do we do? All of us, dear sinners, we say, no, God, that's okay. I got other things to do. Pride, essentially. Pride is illogical. Pride is what keeps our relationship with God stunted. Pride is the opposite of humility and pride will destroy every single relationship we have. The elevation of one's ego. And this is where the beauty now of Holy Communion again shines. Because what is Holy Communion? It is Jesus Christ himself. It is the most precious gift that God ever left humanity. The Holy Eucharist, that piece of bread which you will receive, which seemingly looks like bread, is God himself. It is not symbolic. For 2,000 years, Christianity has always taught that that bread is no longer bread, but it is God himself transformed through the words which he gave us at the Last Supper. And you'll hear it echoed again at every single Mass in a few moments. See, God himself now will model this humility for humanity. One of the little kids, <laughs> Damien, after Mass, comes up to me. You know, we're taking photos up here with all, all of the kids. And he comes up to me, very disappointed. He runs up to me, the little kid. Father, looking up. Father. Very sad. Oh, what's wrong, Damien? You look distressed. You look very sad. He says, Father did you use old bread? <laughs> I said, what are we talking about? Old bread. Well, because if you know, if you receive Holy Communion, it's it's hard. It's hard. I and mean, when, you, when you chew on the Holy Communion, it's, it just snaps in your mouth, doesn't it? And so if I thought, ah, for a kid who's heard, okay, you're about to receive, you know, the priest will transform bread into Jesus Christ. He's thinking, oh, wonder bread in his head all the sandwiches that he's ever eaten, so in his head, all oh, bread is soft. So he thought I was going to put a soft loaf of bread in his mouth. No, as you know, it's a tiny, stale, hard piece of unleavened bread, which is, on the surface, tiny, insignificant, boring, But it is Jesus Christ now. You see, Jesus Christ doesn't simply lecture us from on high. He understands that in order for us to enter into the wedding banquet, we must be humble. And so he says, follow me now and I will show you the path. Look at me and I shall be humble. Follow my example. Follow my lead. I will allow myself to be turned into bread and I will give myself at every single altar at every single Catholic church throughout the world. And I will wait for you to come now to the wedding banquet. Did you know, and I'll end here with this beautiful image, when you receive Holy Communion in a state of grace, it is a foretaste of heaven. It is a foretaste of what will become of us in that beautiful scene now that God willing we enter into heaven, we stand before God in judgment and we are found to be worthy. And we enter in and that beautiful image from Isaiah from that first reading, heaven is a wedding feast now because the culmination of God's desire to unite himself in marriage to humanity comes to fulfillment and the choice wines, the fattened calf are killed, and everything is ready. You don't have to wait until the very end, for at every single Mass, when you receive Holy Communion, you're experiencing that wedding feast as God now unites Himself to you, and you to Him. That, my friends, is the greatest gift